Guys, I'm excited about this episode. I feel like I say that at the start of every episode, don't I? Well, we're talking about beauty. This is the beauty edition and I have some super cool guests, three experts within the beauty industry, uh, including Tippi Shorter, who's the global artistic director for Mazzani, uh, the beautiful brand that I work for at L'Oreal. She is a texture expert, a hair mogul, and her hands have touched the heads of icons, okay? I mean, Alicia Keys, Rihanna, Jennifer Hudson, and Lady Gaga, just to name a few. And then next up, we have Patricia Akello. So Patricia is a global fashion model hailing from Uganda, but uh, based on the East Coast in New York now. And she's really used her influence as a fashion model to become a beacon of hope to the young girls in northern Uganda under her co-founded initiative called Dignity for a Girl. I had the pleasure of meeting Patricia a couple of years ago. I'm telling you, her beauty stopped me in my tracks. So listen, she has a lot of great things to say today. So hang tight. And last but absolutely not least is Itasha Jordan. You don't have, this is a killer lineup today. You guys are so lucky. Itasha is a, ah, oh man, I don't want to just call her a photographer, right? Um, she's a visual artist. She is an image maker and a creative director. Listen, some of your favorite celebrities, she has shot, okay? So when you think of Issa Rae, Taraji P. Henson, Misty Copeland, Felicia Richard, Tracy Ellis Ross, Iman, Solange Knowles. I could, I could keep going. Itasha has shot them all. And not only has she shot them, but she has created some timeless, iconic imagery through her art. So as usual, kick back, sit back, relax, and let's take it to the lounge. Thank you so much for joining me at the lounge, ladies. I'm so excited that you agreed to do this episode with me. Um, for everyone listening, I have the pleasure of having um, three amazing guests. Um, I'll I'll tell you quickly their names, and then we'll introduce. They will introduce themselves and what they do. So, we do have Tippy Shorter, who is a celebrity hairstylist, hair mogul. I could I could go on. She's also the global artistic director for Mazzani, um, and I you know I do have the pleasure of having worked and you know continue to work with Tippy. Um, she has some incredible gems to drop later on, so I can't wait you wait for you all to to get to meet to get to meet Tippy. And then next up, we have Itasha Jordan, who hails from Boston. She is an incredible photographer and was recently named Photographer of the Year uh, by Essence Magazine. Uh, I have also had the pleasure of working with her um, on a on a campaign. Gosh, I can't believe it was almost a year ago now. So um, excited to share a little bit more about Itasha and you know what she stands for and the projects that she's working on and has worked on. And then last but absolutely not least, we have Patricia Akello, who is a professional model and hails from Uganda, but lives in New York City. So with that, ladies, welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you so Hello. much, Hello. Well, thank you. 
So why don't we start with Tippy? Tippy, tell us a little bit about you. Um, you know what you do and where you're located. Absolutely. Um, originally from Southern California, so I grew up in Long Beach, and um, I just out of high school and out of beauty school, I moved to New York. Um, I just wanted something completely different than sunshine and palm trees, and mm-hmm. so I moved to high rises and concrete. And um, it began my um, hair styling career. Um, and uh, I shortly thereafter, probably about two or three years after working um, as a stylist in New York City, I opened up my own salon in the Soho area. Um, and I had that for five years. And then um, I met a beautiful young Bayesian singer by the name of Brianna. And um, I became her personal hairstylist. And traveled the world with her and then with Alicia Keys and then with Jennifer Hudson. And, and so I became a freelance full-time hairstylist for about 15, 16 years. Mm. Um, during that time, I became a wife and a mom um, and started to um, decided I wanted to take a little bit back of my time. Um, and so I chose to pivot um, and I moved into education and um, Originally, I was uh, doing educa- education for mass brands um, it, that were more consumer focused and then honed it a little uh, more in and became an educator for the professionals and really just wanting to uplift um, the beauty community and more importantly, continue to inspire and share the beauty that um, is surrounding women of color um, and our hair and what all of that looks like. And so um, as you mentioned before, uh, as of a year and a half now, I've been the global artistic director um, with Mizani. Amazing. Thank you, Tippy, for sharing. Thank you. tell us a bit about you. Hello. Hi. hi. My name is, hi. <laughs> Tippy, thank you so much. I mean, sorry, uh, to me. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Here. Uh, well, my name is Itasha Jordan. I am a photographer uh, and creative director. I am originally from Boston, although I've been in New York quite a long time, um, about 15 years. It just doesn't seem that long. Um, and I moved to New York to pursue my photography career full time. And it has been a journey. Mm. Um, so I uh, worked my way up. Um, from, you know, testing with models and my work began to, uh, to get noticed by various people. And here I am today. <laughs> here you are in the lounge. I'm excited. Here and... I am in the lounge. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay. And Patricia, Patricia, shall I call you Patricia or Trish? What do you prefer? I, um, I go with both. Well, my real name, my government name is Patricia. Uh-huh. But when I traveled to South Africa and joined an agency, there was another Patricia that was from the same country I'm from. Uh-huh. So my agency decided to change my name to Trisha. And then from that day, I've been using Trisha as my model name, but my government name is Patricia. 
Wow. Okay. So we're going to get into the whole thing around names in a bit because I've started to do the whole signature question thing. Like, what does your name mean? Where did it come from? And you're already giving me a lot of feels with that uh, piece of information there. So let's hold back on that for a second. And yeah, tell me a bit about um, you and your career as a model, how that started off. Okay. My name is Patricia Akello. I'm from Uganda. I'm from the northern part of Uganda. And uh, I was scouted way back in 2014 in Uganda and went to South Africa. That's where my journey began from as a fashion model. And, and then from there, news model management decided to bring me to New York and represent me as my agency here in New York. So, yeah, now I'm based in New York and represented by youth models. Great. Thank you, Trish, for sharing that, or Patricia for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) Had to catch myself there. So, as I just mentioned to you, I have really been digging a little deeper into the meanings behind our names, right? So, to give you a little bit of context, my name, as you know it, is Tumi. Okay, but it's short for Oluwa Tumininu. A lot of people who are close to me, family, even colleagues know that. Um, but quite honestly, Tumi is what my own immediate family calls me. So I have no problem with anyone else calling me Tumi. I only have a problem problem when people decide to shorten my name for me, when I haven't offered that to them. Okay. I have a problem when people don't try to pronounce my name and they just decide to, um, you know, eliminate the fact that my name has a meaning. Okay. So my, my meaning is, um, my name's meaning is the Lord comforts me. Okay. And there's a reason why my parents gave me that name because I believe my father lost his job at the time of my birth. So it was a very troubling time, you know, where are we going to find, you know, adequate finances to keep things going, etc. And um, me coming um, into the world was a comfort to my family at the time. So there's always a story behind how we're named. So I want to go around and kind of uh, understand if you guys know the meanings of your names, what your experience has been about your name, and perhaps sharing a bit about where it came from. Um, Patricia, why don't we start with you? My name Akello. Akello is my name, and it has two different meanings from where I come from. Actually, it orig- uh, it originated from Africa, and mainly used in Kenya and Uganda. Mm-hmm. My name uh, it can either mean the follower of twins, or Akello can mean to bring forth. Can you say uh, that again? Because you broke out. Bring forth. To bring forth. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in our family, we don't have any twins. Mm-hmm. So I believe to bring forth um, is, a, is a real meaning behind my name. And I believe I brought forth happiness and joy to my parents the first time they held me in their arms. Yeah. And yeah, that's the meaning of my name. I wish you could see the smile that I have right now. I honestly, just asking this one simple question has, I don't know, it just unearths a whole lot of emotion and um, history and heritage that I think we forget in just our name, you know? 
Tippy, tell me about where Tippy came from. <laughs> so sorry to disappoint you. I don't have any amazing um, <laughs> meanings behind. My- Actually, I do have a meaning. So Tippy is not my legal name. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't even go by my legal name. No one knows it. And no, I'm not going to say it. On <laughs> I will say, well, you know, it's one of those, it, you know, I, I was born in the seventies and it was one, one of those names that had like tons and tons and tons of syllables and mm-hmm. extra letters. And, you know, you can think about, it. I'm sure everyone has an auntie yeah. from the seventies and you're like, Ooh, okay. I could think about it. <laughs> um, but my dad was super adamant about giving me that name. And it was a name that he thought of, he wanted. My mom was like, I don't like it. I'm never going to call her that, but I'll, you know, I'll come up with another name. And so basically while in utero, um, she started calling me Tippy um, because I would poke her and she said that she would always see my tippy toes. And oh. um, so in her stomach, she would see my tippy toes and she was like, tippy toe, tippy toe. And so thank goodness she didn't call me tippy toe it just stopped at tippy <laughs> I promise when I see you next I will not call you tippy toe <laughs> so um yeah so with the, with the irony to the entire thing is my dad has never called me the name that he named me a day in my life at least not that I really know. um I've always been tippy from mm-hmm. everyone I've always been introduced as Tippy. In school, it was always Tippy. Even though my legal name was on all my documents, I'd always please, you know, please call me Tippy. And so actually, it's, it's really interesting, you know, um, here we are, you know, with this huge life change. And, you know, a lot of people are deciding to do things very differently. I've been wanting to legally change my name for about 20 years. Uh-huh. And um, when we are able to get back up and moving around, I'm actually going to move forward and and stop procrastinating and go ahead and you do it. You are so going to do it. I do have a story. I am. So I don't have, you know, the beautiful history story, but I it is a beautiful history story. No, you do. So wait. Yeah. Okay. So you won't share the government name. I'm not going to push you to do that. That's fine. And I promise yeah. you, I will yeah. not call you Tippy Toe ever. Um, yeah. What I will say though, is the name that your father gave you. Do you know what inspired, where, where he got the name from? So I have a cousin that was born a month before my, before me Mm -hmm. and, um, who ironically is a hairstylist and we just reconnected. Um, she has a name is very similar. Um, and he changed like a letter or two and that's how I got my dad is the, was the only guy of, of, of seven. So he had six sisters. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he had this niece that was just born. He loved the name. I guess that maybe it was his favorite sister. I don't know. And so my name was very similar to hers with like a few letters changed. I will say, though, um, I was in Ikea uh, a couple of years ago and looked down and saw a candy bar with my name on it. It was spelled different, um, like Mm -hmm. one or two letters different. But it was I was just like, okay, I I didn't (laughs) think my name was Sweden. I really thought it was like 70s, you know, disco light made up. Yeah. So. It did put a different, it, it, it gave me a different spin on it. Um, but yeah, I, I, Tippy is, is what it is. <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. You've got to let us know when you change the, um, when you change your name officially so we can celebrate and, and cheers with you. I will. Itasha, tell us about Itasha. Well, um, my name um, is uh, an original name name um for my mom 
um, that my mom gave me, rather. Um, her name is Irene. She wanted it to start with an I. And I think she was just playing with um, maybe, um, you know, sounds and um, uniqueness. And she thought that Itasia sounded unique, um, an individual. And when I was younger, um, I mean, like maybe elementary school, I, I didn't really love my name because no one could really pronounce it. Even though it's mm. phonetically, um, I think it's uh, when you look at it and really look closely, it's easy, but people will pronounce my name wrong. But as I got older, matured, et cetera, I came to realize I had to come to, um, I had a moment where I'm like, wow, my name is unique. I'm unique. And um, it stands out. So I get things like um, easy, um, mm. Uh, my website was available or yeah. um, emails or things of that sort. Now it's a little strange because I actually did have someone contact me years ago on MySpace during MySpace days. And she was in Australia and her name was Itasia. That was weird. Huh. Um, younger than me. Yes. Uh, and then there is someone else with a similar name. And I've only had... Um, I would say a couple of mess ups like where, um, oh, you have an appointment at this time. And I'm like, um, that's not me. So <laughs> my name is just um, a creative expression from my mom, who um, is also somewhat of a creative herself. So, yeah, that's the story. Beautiful. And look, you are a creative. So I think it all comes to it all comes together at the end. Right. Yes, exactly. So exactly. Like I said, I. I I was like, wow, okay. So there is a, a point in my name. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, of course there is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we had to start there, ladies. It's more of a selfish thing for me. It's like, I, I, I just have to, I feel like every time I meet somebody without being too intense, I need to be like, so tell me a little bit about your name <laughs> before we start a full on conversation. But okay, look, this episode is really all about the power of our beauty, the power of black beauty. And you guys are absolutely incredible, you know, incredible in, in what you bring to the, the beauty industry um, today and in the past as well. And I know your futures are going to continue to be um, even more bright. So look, in some data that I have pulled, you know, just very quickly, I just want to kind of share a few stats about what's happening in the black beauty industry, because um, that will fuel a lot of the discussion that we're going to have today. So in an Essence magazine article that I actually um, uh, read not too long ago, a few stats were, you know, pointed out uh, and framed. And I want to share some of those with you. So 82% of um, you know, people of color say that it's important to be well-groomed. We know that we as a community spend at least four times more than the general market or the Caucasian uh, market Okay, when it comes to hair and beauty. The black hair care industry back in 2018 was estimated at $2.5 billion. And that has, I'm sure, only grown uh, since then. We know that black consumers are, we know that black consumers are switching from general market brands, okay, to brands that are truly servicing their cultural needs, okay? So that might be that they're moving away or that we are moving away from a Pantene and moving towards um, brands that are specifically born to um, service 
our specific cultural needs, as an example. So, and also when we look on the runway, you know, we're also seeing the shift there. We're seeing models of color um, more than we've ever done before. And I will share the the official latest stats when I write up these um, episode notes so you can refer back to those. And then, of course, we have beauty brands popping up um, all over the place, you know, whether it's Fenty Beauty or Pattern or Madam C.J. Walker or the Lip Bar owned by Melissa Butler, uh, Pat McGrath. It's happening. You know, we're really pushing the boundaries um, to see the change that we've been wanting to see for, for such a while. But I just wonder from you guys' perspective, you guys live, breathe this industry every day. And we only know that black beauty is going to continue to rise, which is a great thing. We want to see us out there, right? So why do you think interest in black beauty is rising? Hi. Um, I think it is, um, well, obviously, like you mentioned, the stats and about um, the black buying power, very powerful. Um, But I also think that we have begun to take ownership of our stories, our rituals and and techniques on a mass level. Um, And with so much exposure, especially social media usage, um, you know, that really magnifies that. Um, We're starting our own brands. We're not waiting to get approvals from people. We're starting from our homes, our kitchens, um, with one product maybe. Mm And um, these small indie brands that we're starting, um, they're giving mainstream larger corporations a run for their money. So um, people are also buying, they're not only buying into the product, but they're buying into who owns the company. That's true. They want to know where the money's, whose pocket the money is going to at the end of the day, right? Exactly. So unfortunately, sometimes you can have something that may not be as great of a product, but the person is awesome. You follow their journey and you, you know, of course the product eventually has to, you know, maintain, but I'm just saying that people have a genuine interest in that. And, um, you know, um, I think that has a big, has something to do with the, the rise. There's a really interesting point that you bring there, Itasha. So, you know, you feel that there, even if the product doesn't perform to mm-hmm. perhaps what you want it to or where you want it to, you know, perform to, you're willing to put your money there because you know where it's going. That's right. super interesting. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's weird. Um, it's like giving someone a chance. And especially when you see them, you know, figuring it out on their own um, as they get more capital the product improve. I guess my question to you is, have you gone through that experience personally? Um, yes, I would say so. Yeah. As a self, um, as a product junkie, um, <laughs> I buy things all the time. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, but I give it a try, you know, and uh, I look at it differently, maybe because I work within the industry, I'm maybe not as critical or as harsh as some people are or can be, um, because I understand that we have to grow. Mm. Um, um, but then a lot of things are gems. Yeah, very true. 
Yeah. Tippy, do you have anything to add to that? Like, where do you think this interest in um, our beauty is is coming from? Um, you know, I have been uh, someone who has grown and kind of been on the the, uh, the cheerleader as the interest has grown. Um, when I mentioned that I started doing education for consumers, I was brought in for a major consumer brand because they were launching a line for women of color. Mm-hmm. And um, they, you know, they understand, you know, dollars and cents and they realize, you know, the woman of color spends lots of money on her hair products mm-hmm. and they wanted to get in on that. And so I was a little um, torn when taking the job because I didn't want to be the talking head that is, you know, trying to justify something. I figured the product is here. Yeah. Um, the product, the product is good. It wasn't a terrible product. And so I wanted to be the one to create that message. You know, I didn't want, I, I wanted to be the one to, to, to create the message like, Hey, you know, I know this is big you know, big, big, big beauty behind me, but, you know, um, let me just share what the positives are. Let me share what the good is here. So I was able to kind of see from the inside, all the strategic, um, movements that brands, um, in particular that didn't necessarily or in, and don't necessarily, um, serve women of color, how they have wanted what, what they have done to get a piece of that pie, so to speak. Um, Mm. and it, you know, with that, it was, you know, obviously, okay, well, we're doing an ad and, you know, we've got all these women and, oh, let's not forget to bring the one girl. Oh God. That's like my um, worst nightmare. Right. And I will say that I, you know, I've been with a brand before where it was like, okay, we got the one girl and, 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 and on top of that, I'm the one girl that's doing that one. And, and so that was something that didn't satisfy my soul personally, because I wasn't able to narrate that story yeah. the story was being narrated and I felt kind of like a pawn in that in in that whole thing right so yeah. um so with it um I think it's amazing I love let me just tell you I love that my daughter can watch tv open a book see book covers open a magazine yeah. um you know go to the store and see ads and say hey mom that girl's like me hey mom that girl has hair like yeah. me hey mom that you know I mean that that feeling it, it makes me know that what I do every day is so worth it because I know that I was um, helpful in creating that story uh, almost 15, 20 years ago, you know, starting to create that story that she's able to now see that. That's a big deal. You know, my brother had a um, his first daughter, first child, just uh, almost two years ago. You guys have probably seen <laughs> images mm-hmm. that I've shared of her. Um, she's absolutely gorgeous. She's, um, you know, mixed race. And, um, I thought that it was super important that, you know, she has collateral, I shouldn't say collateral, really, it's such a marketing word, but take off my marketing hat for a minute. It it was important for her to have books and literature that she could look at and read and see herself in, because I did not have that when I was growing up. Okay, I had Cinderella, I had Snow White, I had Sleeping Beauty. None of those were black. None of them looked like me. Um, So, you know, 
for me, I took it upon myself to find, you know, good books, not just any book, but, you know, good books that had good stories, good morals, but featured prominently, um, you know, characters of color, boys, girls, you know, a, a wide range of, um, you know, ethnicities. That was really important to me. Um, but I think to your point, Tippy, it's, it's a different day today than it was, you know, prior. You know, and to your point, it is continuing. You know, there's not a place where um, it returns. And I will say this, and I, and I, I, I used to laugh about it, you know, just being um, a hairstylist. I remember being a part of New York Fashion Week, you know, 15, maybe 15 years ago. And, you know, the look was everybody gets bone straight hair, no matter what type of hair they walked in with. Right. And I remember this um, girl coming in with, you know, curly hair, gorgeous curly hair. And I distinctly remember the lead hairstylist at the time saying, I just don't know what to do with her hair. Let's just leave it the way it is. And that girl got so much press because of her hair Mm. and how gorgeous it was. And it was because the person who was hired to do it didn't know what the heck to do. Mm. Crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And we're going to be talking about Fashion Week in a little bit um, because I think it ties back to a lot of the core of what's going on in in this side of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um but that's a perfect segue to Patricia. But Patricia, before I even ask my question, you mentioned earlier on that you are now called Trisha because your agency changed your name to Trisha, right? Yes. How did you feel about that? At first I wasn't bothered by it. Um because, you know, I was so excited. Uh, it was my first time out of my country, my comfort zone. And me signing to an agency was like some, it was, it was a big deal, you know? Yeah. So, so I was so excited. But later on, I came to realize that, you know, even if we have the same names, even if we have this uh, kind of, we come from the same area, we are different people, you know? So at least, and, mm. and after after some time, I was like, but I don't see the reason as to why I changed my name. Mm-hmm. You know, she was called Patricia and I was called Patricia, but we are different people. We yeah. are both beautiful girls. It all comes back to also the clients seeing the difference in us. You know, yeah. we, are diff- we are two different people. We, we, um, um, should I put it? Yeah, so so I would say we are two different, but the name should not really identify the person, who that person is, and how the person is going to do their job. And yeah, but I'm comfortable with the name Trisha. After all, it's a short, you know. Yeah, it's a short name got from Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> but most I I call myself Patricia. Okay, you know. I feel like I could ask you a million more questions on this topic, but let's keep moving. And if we have time, I'll go back to it for sure. Um, So do you also see, I mean, you're obviously on the runways and you're, you know, being a fashion model, like, are you seeing more and more um, models that look like you being booked for jobs? Like how, how do you, what are you seeing from your perspective? Yeah, I see more and more uh, black beauties being booked for jobs which is really amazing before when I uh, when um, 
I was still in Uganda. I was trying to be a model and, you know, I needed motivation. I needed people to inspire me. I needed people who look like me, mm-hmm. you know, to inspire me. So, and, and back then we only had like three or four people on the runway. Alec pre- Wack was yeah, one. Alec, Naomi, um, yep. Iman. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the people who are representing, you know, all of us black people, mm-hmm. which was so ridiculous. But now seeing all these black beauties out there and representing us and you see different shades and you're like, oh, my gosh, she looks like me. We have the same shade. This is amazing. I'm inspired. I'm motivated to, you know, to do. I can do it, too. Yeah, I can do it, too. If she, she was able to, if she's doing that, I can do that. So we really need motivation from people that also look like us you know yeah Yeah. totally hear that in fact I was talking to another um, model friend of mine and um, she has naturally curly hair beautiful bouncy curly hair naturally and back in the day when she started modeling all of her agencies only wanted her to show up to the go-sees with straight hair okay and all of her um, looks in her portfolio were straight hair only back in the day. Today, she was telling me that it's so different now. Like the agencies have been very specific about show up to your go see with your curly hair this time, please make sure that, you know, and they're also updating their her portfolio with more curly looks. So I, I find that that is a big change in time because I remember yeah. um, back in the UK when I used to, you know, see models and, you know, see models and select them for our brand campaigns, et cetera. When I was working in hair in the UK, I would have a lot of models come and show up with their straight hair. And all I really wanted to see was their, you know, their naturally curly texture. And they would tell me, oh, but the agency said I should show up like this. And, and I remember when I just started, I had a super relaxed hair. My hair was straight. And after a while, I was like, why don't I be myself? You know, this is not me. Relaxing my hair does not really represent who I am. My hair is kinky, super curly, and like it's. So I decided to change my look and get back to my original look. Yeah. Although sometimes, you know, we, we, we need to change, you know, play around with color. So I changed. I, yeah. I went blonde. I went. I saw went the blonde. Green. I loved it. <laughs> yeah so but at the end of the day I went back to my original color now I'm black and uh-huh. I'm loving it you know I love it I love <laughs> yeah. it yeah that's the beauty is again that's part of the power of our beauty is the versatility of it yeah so okay guys let's we talked let we talked a little bit about you know what's happening right now in the industry but let's take a step back I want to know a bit more personally about you did any of you have any confidence issues coming up you did <laughs> lots of confidence tell yeah. us um so um tons of confidence um issues uh as a young girl and, and not necessarily my confidence issues weren't necessarily about my appearance mm-hmm. um you know I always had fun with my hair I didn't really care what people thought about it you know I remember uh, I'm not sure uh TLC somebody coming out and and me wanting to like chop up my hair and I did um you know um I did I had braces and you know that wasn't popular but everyone had them no one liked them Mm -hmm. and so um 
issue, the confidence issue that I had actually was body um, image, my body confidence, um, which is so crazy because I am a curvy girl um, and with very curvy, like bottom half of my body, right? So my hips and and that area. Uh And that was incredibly problematic for me. I I can tell you growing up, like the boys would call me Tippy. Oh yeah. You know, Tippy, the one with the braces and the big butt. Uh, like that was that was my boys name. will be it boys like the, it was the full name <laughs> and so I had tons of conflicts about it um you know I remember my mom says you know you used to wear like a sweater or a, or a shirt tied around your waist like every single day and in retrospect it's so funny because it actually didn't hide anything it actually made everything fuller <laughs> and I you know I would lose weight and you know it, it just it was my body type so no matter what I did it did there and I didn't come to appreciate this is so crazy um and this is you know things that I'm still dealing with just as an individual and 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 life but it wasn't until which is uh the popularity of um women of color um you know were shown on tv and we were in magazines consistently and um, Nelly made an incredibly stupid song, you know, called Apple Bottoms or whatever. And, or, you know, and it wasn't until our bodies were celebrated publicly and, you know, people like J-Lo and Beyonce and, you know, these girls who had these naturally, you know, curvaceous bottoms also were being seen on TV and it wasn't funny and it wasn't, you know, abnormal and it wasn't, you know, this really weird thing and it was beautiful and they looked great in dresses and now they're making clothes to fit girls with bottoms like ours that don't gap in the back and, you know, and things like that. So it, you know, I had huge, huge, huge um, challenges um, as a young um, woman, uh, as a teenager, a young woman, a young adult, and really did like start fully embracing it. And it's so funny because even till today, I'm like, I don't want to wear that. It's too tight. It makes my butt look too big. You know, like I love my body. I love my shape. Yes. But even still, like I just, I, it's just something I personally as an adult woman just don't want to bring tons of attention to for me. Um, sure. So, you know, if you find me with a, a, with a scarf tied around my waist, it's, you know, it's just because that's me and my modesty. But <laughs> um, yeah, that was one of the biggest uh, challenges that I had um, uh, growing up personally. Um, was with like body image. And Patricia, what about you? Did you have any confidence issues? I'm super curious. Uh... Oh my God. Yes, I did. Um, growing up in school, I was like the tallest girl. Mm. Well, we were tall and we were both tall, but I was the tallest and at the same time, the darkest. So uh, all my class, most of my classmates made fun, made fun, um, how how tall I was. I was given names. I was called Black Chaco. I was called Ofono. Ofono is like the tallest guy in Africa. Was the tallest guy. Okay. In... <laughs> so I was called Ofono. I wasn't comfortable with that with me being called, you know, Ofono, Black Chaco, and giving me all sorts of names. And that really made me lose my self-esteem growing mm-hmm. up. And I remember um when I finished high school, I really wanted to to start bleaching myself because I wanted to fit into the society the way they uh, they described beauty. It, uh, to them, it, it meant someone who is curvy, someone who is not too tall, who is yeah. light-skinned and all that. So I felt like I, I also need to fit in somehow, you know? Even if I'm too tall, at least let me be light-skinned and, mm. and comfortable around these people. 
but well, thank God I was broke by then, so I couldn't buy you know bleaching bleaching cream. Did you just say <laughs> thank God I was broke back then, so I couldn't yeah. afford the bleaching? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patricia, so I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't afford bleaching cream, and that helped me a lot because um, after after a while, I realized that you know um, being different is good being different is beautiful being different and being yourself is is so comforting so Mm -hmm. and on watching a lot of tv i remember watching alekwek on the runway and i was like oh my god she's dark like me Mm -hmm. you know oh like me but why do i want to be like someone else why do i want to copy what what the society tells me to do yes <laughs> so then I was like, you know what? And first of all, I want to be a model. So and models have to be tall and dark skinned, and you know, so we have to represent our own. And that gave me really confidence. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stay the way I am, and maybe someday I'll be a top model who is tall and dark and beautiful. And yeah. So I really had issues with my skin color and my height. Oh. Gosh, I love this. I love hearing the story, um, Patricia. And it's not even a story. It's something that you've lived through. And it sounds like um, the inspiration that you had was just looking up and seeing on the TV other models and, that looked like you. And, and that gave you the drive and the motivation to appreciate and love and embrace and fully own um, the skin that you're in. Uh, I have to say, your black is beautiful. You're stunning. I think you you, you know this now, by now, I hope. But um, yeah. Uh, okay. We have so many questions to get through, so I'm going to hop around. So I want to take a lead from actually what you just said, Trish. So you've, you've already answered the next question without me even asking you. You know, I was going to, my next question really is like, what do you define beauty to be? Let's forget about what society says it should be. You know, what we see on social media, what's in the magazines, what's in the runway. Um, Trish, you've already, you know, touched upon, you know, your definition of beauty being it's you, it's who you are as you are. Um, but Aitasha, you know, knowing that you are behind the camera capturing beauties, um, you know, models um, day by day in what you do, like you are a mastermind. You are such a creative um, visionary. You capture beauty. You. <laughs> you do. You capture beauty in, the, in, in a way that I, I don't think I've ever seen before. Um, so I want to know, like, what do you see as, oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to capture it this way. Like, what is beauty to you? Oh, that's an interesting question because I don't know if, if I've ever verbalized it, but I do know that I've gotten into, um, I wouldn't say fights, but quarrels or just um, about my, my vision of what I think is beautiful in comparison. You know, we work on teams a lot. So it's like, oh, how about we use this girl? And I'm like, mm, no, 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 no. And I'm like, <laughs> Um, how about we use this girl? And they're like, oh, no, I don't know. I think um, it's a combination of something of being um, authentically you. Um, and I look for fire in the eyes. I know that sounds, you know, kind of cliche, but there's something about the soul of people's eyes that you can read, mm. whether they're sad, they're happy, um, that type of thing. So I think I start there. There are the obvious things in regards to um, 
what we find, what individual people find to be, you know, alluring. Yeah. Um, and I think I just look for this balance. Like in my mind, it's almost like, you know, when you see the meme of um, someone calculating in their brain what scientifically what's going on. I yeah. think I'm like, do they have it in the eyes? Let's look at their hair. What are they doing? And I also love to look at potential. You know, how can what can I bring out of this person mm. too? Um, so, um, yeah, so I think it's a combination of things. I don't necessarily always believe what, um, well, not many people, but society, what society says is beautiful. Yep. Um, I look at it, um, with my own formulation and then also, um, having, um, shot for so many years, somehow I'm able to translate into, um, will this person work in front of my camera or what can I bring out of them? Um, I hope I've answered. Oh, you absolutely have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely have. And so if we take it down the road of, you know, this, this topic of the power behind our beauty specifically, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything that you see um, as it relates to our beauty that is especially you know, powerful. For a while, I'm I'm thinking out loud now. Um, That's fine. I don't want to contradict my thoughts, but um, for a while before it was very popular for people to enhance their bodies, it was almost as if that was um, more of a white thing to do. But now everyone is enhancing mm-hmm. um, themselves. But I think in general, and I hate to generalize, but in general, um, our older, like our ancestors, maybe like our grandmothers, older, they, they instill in us in some ways to be, um, again, authentically yourself and this power. And I think we don't always subscribe to mass media mm-hmm. in general as a whole. <laughs> um, and I think that is displayed in front of us. I'm not sure. I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm not sure if it's coming out correctly. Like, I think that um, we have this power that's basically ingrained in us that um, just comes out. Like, I really, it it comes out as royalty to me. And I hope Mm. that's what I portray. Oh, Um, you do. You absolutely do. And I think I would like to believe that that's something that's passed down um from us uh from from you know older elders rather yeah i love that so it's it's more about um if i can summarize itasha yes please. it's more <laughs> it's more about like it's innate like what we yes. have is innate we're born with it it's natural and there are other people and other groups that are trying to have what we have um yes and it doesn't quite come off as authentically Exactly. Okay, yes. I did it. I did it. Yes. <laughs> I was good. listening. I was listening. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> Tippy, I want your opinion too. Like, what is it what is it about the power behind our beauty? Um, you know, I, I while listening to Aisha, I, I I was I knew what you were saying, girl, because I was there with you. Thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that comes to my mind is of the layers. The, mm. the intricacies, the 
diversity. You know, um, I currently live in the Midwest mm-hmm. and there's just not, you know, the, the population of people of color, particularly black people is quite low. Yeah. And so I am surrounded by a bunch of people that don't look like me, but I don't see a ton of layers. You know, when I go to communities where I'm, you know, with a ton of people um, that look like me, they still don't look like me, right? Because we come in so many different skin tones. We come in so many different body shapes. We have so many different hair textures, so many different um, lip shapes, eye color. I mean, we're just so dynamic in our look. Yeah. You know, I love it. Um, that it's just the layers are it's we're just layers on top of layers on top of layers. And so I think, you know, it's like, you know, what brand is like, oh, I want to feature a woman of color. It's just like, where do I go? Mm-hmm. Where do I choose? Where do I begin? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, there's so many options. She's not just and one person. Not just one person. And not to put, you know, any other culture or race down, but you know, I mean honestly, I mean I, I live in a community that's predominantly white and, you know, I, I just look at, you know, the majority of my neighbors and I'm just like, there's not tons of variation, you know, mm-hmm. it's like light hair, light eyes, light skin. Right. Yeah. And so, and I just think of like, when I go to dinner with my girlfriends and, you know, six or seven or eight of us are at a table, I'm just like, wow, we're all black women, but boy, we're so different. It's yes. so like there's beauty in every single, every single thing. And it's just, it's just so dynamic. Gosh, I'm sitting here with chills because well, I love being black, right? So that's that's one thing. The second thing, the second thing is, yeah, I work in beauty, so you know, merging the two is it's it's a passion point of mine, and mm-hmm. I think you guys have really hit the nail. Like it's there is so much depth, layers to who we are and what we look like, and therefore what we can bring to the table, right? So you can't pigeonhole us into one little peg because. We are so many different things. Okay, to your point. It's like when we used. It's like when we used to have. Um, I, I'm seeing less and less of this, but there mm-hmm. would be an ad campaign, and there'd be like one Asian, one black person, one white person, oh. and it just was still not diverse enough. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Like Tippy mentioned it before, you know, it's, you know, the shape of our bodies, the, you know, the shape of our lips, it's the skin tones, it's the different hair textures. Like if you want mm-hmm. to talk to us, you're really going to have to get to know the different layers. Like it's, it's right. not, it's not just, we're not just one person. So um, it makes us complex, but beautifully complex, I think. I agree. All right. So um, Itasha, you know, some of the work that you've done, um, well, all of the work that you've done, quite honestly, is um, <laughs> for those who are listening, if you're not following Itasha on Instagram, and we'll go through everybody's in- Instagram at the end so everyone knows where to follow up on your careers, but um, you should be following Itasha for sure and Tippy as well as um, Patricia. But Itasha, I remember when I first saw you share the cover of um, Issa Rae, right? This was, um, oh, in, yeah. and you shot this one in New Orleans. I believe. Yes. That was, I was like, I have never seen Issa like this. Like, stunningly, I mean, she's stunning naturally anyway, right? But there was just something that you brought. 
I could only believe that it was an essence. It was an essence of you that you brought to that <laughs> shot. Okay. Um, you don't yeah. have to comment on that if you're the kind of person that doesn't know how to deal with uh, compliments like me. I, I'm, we can move forward, move <laughs> away from that. But my question to you is, how important or is it not important to hire a photographer of color to shoot people of color? Like, where, where, what's the standpoint uh, on this? Um, I think it's, that's a complicated, um, the answer is complex, rather. Um, mm-hmm. Firstly, I, I'll always believe that being a skilled photographer, no matter the race, is important. Yep. Um, and then secondly, um, or to piggyback off of that first statement, um, there are a lot of photographers of color, Black photographers, who um, exist even more so now and are being overlooked. Um, and I remember, uh, I would say maybe just maybe 10 years ago, um, thinking, wow, they need to hire more photographers, um, Black photographers, Black um, subjects because they're not getting it right. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I do think it's important, but they definitely still need to possess all the, you know, skills um, needed. Um, I think there are some under not written um, rules and um, culture that we go by and things that we just know certain angles or I'm able myself to comment um, if something is not right in the in my shot. Um, mm-hmm. I will just pull aside whoever is doing maybe hair or makeup or the art director or creative director and say, I'm noticing this, is this of importance to you? Whereas maybe someone who's maybe not as familiar, um, with shooting people of color would never say anything because they don't know. Right. <laughs> to. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. So I, I think it is important that we are a part of the pool, definitely mm-hmm. more a part of the pool. Um, yeah. So I think that this could possibly, well, definitely applies from a hair perspective, right, Tippy? Because, you know, you look, you have a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who feel like a lot of women of color out there who feel like, you know, I only want, you know, the only stylist that can touch me has to be a stylist of color. She's got to be black, right? Because she gets my hair. So she knows what she's going to, you know, she knows how to to manage my texture, right? There's that automatic, uh-huh. um, you know, it gives the consumer a little bit of confidence to know that, you know, she's going to get it right, you know, versus a white stylist who has no clue, perhaps, who potentially has no clue about managing texture. Um, I mean, I'll tell you that I've definitely met some stylists along the way who have not gotten themselves clued up or skilled up when it comes to managing natural textures, right? Like I remember walking to a salon and, you know, asking them, so this whole natural thing that's happening right now, like how are you managing that? You know, what do your appointments look like? And they, they said to me quite, you know, categorically, oh, we don't do that here. We send them to the salon across the, across the way. Like mm-hmm. you are missing an opportunity and the fact that you don't even, you shouldn't, I mean, without, it, without even thinking about it as an opportunity, for me, it's like, it should be an innate thing. And if it is not an innate thing, it should be something that you should learn. 
but I don't know. Tell me what yes. you think, Tippy. So, so that is super loaded and very complicated. Um, almost just like Aitisha's um, comment. Yeah. So I, I have tons of opinions <laughs> on this. Well, let me start off by saying um, I've been an educator for um, about ten years now, and I've come across black stylists that did not know how to do next not natural textured hair uh-huh. period yep. um they will blow you out they'll relax you but they want no parts of styling naturally textured hair um so and i've also have gone to many salons to educate where white asian hispanic whatever um are rocking out two strand twists um wash and goes you know curly cut yeah nice. so what I think it's really about the individual person um, and what they desire for their path. You know, the person that understands that the world is merging and changing and we're evolving and curly hair is not going away and it's here and maybe we'll blow it out occasionally. But there yeah. are products that, you know, I mean, I, I, I still wear my hair straight because and I've always wanted my hair to uh, to to be worn curly, but there weren't products around at the time that would give me a soft curly look that mm-hmm. wasn't crunchy, right? So we're in a space now where there's like superior products to give you super fly, natural textured styles. So mm-hmm. the stylist, it's really up to them whether they want to grow, evolve, and expand their business, or they want to get left behind, you know, and stay in their small little bubble. Um, so I be, I, I'm super quick to let people know, don't make that assumption just because someone is brown, you know, has brown or black skin that they know what they're doing because yeah. that is definitely not always the case. I can tell you that before I was keying shows for fashion week, um, as I was typically one of the only black people on a high profile style team and all of the black models would wait to sit in my chair because they're like, I'm not even going like, I'm just, I've been there and that's not, I'm, no, no, <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> so, you know, everybody else is doing like one or two models and I've got like a line of five or six. <laughs> well, look, let's, let's, let's talk about this because the next thing I wanted to touch on was fashion week. Okay. So, oh my gosh. So we all know what's happening. When I say we all know it, definitely at least, you know, the four of us around this lounge or in this lounge together. And we all know what happens at fashion week backstage. You have more and more models of color now who are running, who are on the runway. Um, And then you have, you know, hairstylists and makeup artists that are backstage that have to service um, all the models, right? Regardless Mm -hmm. of their skin color or their complexion and the texture of their hair. Now, the problem is, although the numbers of models of color are growing, the number of stylists that know how to work with textured hair that are backstage, that number is not growing. Okay. It's not. And let me just say that I feel like a lot of designers and brands, I think, are being a bit more thoughtful in their, um, you know, the last few shows that I did, I haven't done fashion week now in probably two seasons, I'm sorry, not two seasons, probably about a year and a half. So like three seasons. And, um, 
but the shows that the last few shows that I was doing, I feel like the designers were a lot more thoughtful mm-hmm. on, hey, I want to I want you to, I want to make sure that you see all of our models. I want to make sure that you feel, you know, like when we create our look, I want you to make sure that you see all the models, all, you know, all the hair t- types and textures. Mm-hmm. And I want you to, you know, know if there's a model that you think she can't go into this texture type, let me know, because then she'll be the one that stays in her natural type, you know? So like, I feel like I've had way more thoughtful conversations recently versus everybody's doing this. I don't care what your team looks like, you know, just make sure everybody has this look. So my last, I'd say my last two or three shows have been way more thoughtful where the designer actually made sure and cared that, um, that my team was proficient. And that we were super clear on who the models were and what needed to be done. Okay, well, I'm I'm super glad to hear that. I hope that there are more designers out there that are thinking along that path, um, because you know what we see um, from models out there—not all models, but there are several models that you know are crying out yet season over season over season that you know they're sitting backstage and they're waiting for their hair to be done and the stylists come by and look at their hair and go "Mm, okay I'm gonna go work on this white model over here who has hair that's easier to work on because I don't know how to work the texture there's so many like sad stories that I've heard from models of color backstage so I do hope that if there are any designers listening right now that if you're not thinking along this vein you 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 should be you should be but Patricia, have you had have you had back um, fashion week experience that you could share um, that pertains to this, or even being at shoots and your hair's being styled uh, either rightly or wrongly? Like, I'd love to get your insight on this. Yes, I have, and uh, when I had my treated hair, so many people didn't know how. Okay, some stylists didn't know how to you know, walk around my hair and most in most cases they would just be like, you know what, your hair looks perfect. Your hair looks nice. But no, it wasn't looking perfect. It needed some uh, you know, someone to do something, you know, maybe just lick it back, comb it back, mm-hmm. put some hope in it. But they'll just pass me on and be like, no, you look perfect. You look beautiful. You know, that was their excuse. But I, I got to learn like, you know what, I'll do it myself. I'm not wait for people to do my hair for me. I just go to the show already with my hair slicked back because I knew that was my look, you know. Mm-hmm. But after, after a while, I had to, you know, shave my hair off. Now, nothing much is done with my hair. And yeah. So essentially, you're having to show up at fashion, two fashion week or two shoots with your hair already done by you. Yeah. Like I just lick it back because that, that, that's the look they always go for with me. Oh, guys, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be too emotional over this topic. <laughs> I find that it's, um, yeah, it's, it's when I hear stories like this, it's, um, first of all, I'm glad that they're being shared you know, because it's, it's only when we share, um, our experiences that, um, we can start to influence and change, you know, and have the right conversations to make, uh, the changes that we want to see in this industry. And so I thank you guys for sharing your experiences on that. So, okay, look, a couple fun product, uh, fun questions for you guys now. So Patricia, if you had to pick 
a couple, say three favorite products, beauty products of yours that you couldn't live without. One skincare product, a makeup product and a hair product or hair care product. What would they be? Um, my skincare product, I love a tea tree facial wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does magic for me. And with my, that's my, yeah. And then with my uh, makeup product, I can't live without Vaseline. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vaseline does the magic. Like I use it as my lip balm. Yeah. I use it as my, yeah, my body cream, my body jelly. I use it um, just to put some highlight on my cheekbones. It's your everything. Uh, it does everything. Yeah. So Vaseline does the magic. And then with my hair, I have super kinky hair and combing through my hair is so hard and painful. Mm-hmm. So I go with uh, the Mizani milk. Uh, miracle milk oh you do oh use it <laughs> i do i have a big bottle and ever my friend my roommate usually comes to my room just to borrow my my product yeah it 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 helps me condition my hair and it's easy to comb through when i use this product yeah it's amazing i'm so glad you said that but listen i want every, i want all my listeners to know i did not have a conversation with any of my guests to say no, anything yeah. about Mizani, okay? No, I'm actually holding it in my hand. That's how I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Aitasha, what about you? What are your go-tos? Oh, my go-to since I'm a product junkie. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, for skin, I'm really loving um, various beauty balms. Okay. Because I've noticed that my skin is getting drier. I used to have more so combination skin, but um, I'm really loving when I can, you know, really c- cleanse my face, moisturize, and then add a beauty balm. Mm-hmm. It just adds, it's like the next level of moisture. Are you using it in the morning or in the evening? Just trying to get an idea of the consistency, um, if it's thick or thin. Morning and, e- morning and or evening. Okay. Um. It just depends on the consist of my skin on my skin. So I try to stay hydrated, um, but I, my skin is just changing, you know. Yeah, so, and it does. It does. I rarely am able to do both morning and evening. I'm not like that coordinated. <laughs> um, so it's it's usually either or. Okay. All right. So skincare. Um, um, for hair. Yeah. Yes, that was skincare. Uh, for hair. Um, my hair really likes, especially in the summer, like conditioners. Um, but I notice when I use um, apricot oil mm-hmm. with, if it, whether it's in conjunction with a conditioner or um, when I'm wearing my hair natural, whether, whether it's in conjunction with a um, conditioner or um, a, a gel, mm-hmm. um, not the hard gels. I'm not sure. I'm not a hair expert, so I'm not sure. But there are certain types of gels that are made for natural hair and coils um, that I love. It's almost like um, the consistency is more like a, oh, I hate this, but it's more like a snot. Oh, um, yeah. I know the <laughs> and, you know, a lot of those products tend to have marshmallow extract in there as an ingredient. Oh, and that tends to be sh- what, yeah, kind of gives that draw to it. Yeah, my hair, my hair really loves that. but. I 
can say over the years that one common thing is apricot oil. Mm. Um, and my hair really loves that. And uh, what else? Makeup. Um, makeup. Um, I don't really wear a lot of makeup, but I do like a lot of grooming products. And um, what I can say that you can count on me for, especially if I'm not able to do like foundation, et cetera, et cetera. Besides moisturizing, I always think a bright pop of color is great. So I have like go-to red lipsticks and um, a certain shade of purple lipstick um, that I like. And I think that pulls you together really quick, especially if you don't have a lot of time. A nice pop of color. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Tippy, share with us your, your top fave beauty products. Sure. So um, skincare, I have been using, I've, I've actually been using like black soap um, yes. that has, I feel like it has like shell. I don't know. There's like sharp stuff in it. <laughs> so I don't put that on my face. Okay. Maybe it's oatmeal, but it's like black soap. Yep. Um, and literally the bar just says African black soap. Yep. Um, I love it. It just keeps my skin nice and tight and firm and clear and shiny and, um, and everything that I love. Um, there is one of my favorite, uh, products um, that I love is actually from Boots, which is a oh. um, drugstore in, in the UK, London. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I still order it online, but whenever I'm there, I buy it by the dozens. I'm curious And now. it's like, um, it's, it's tea tree. It's like in a little push up. Um, it's like probably an inch and a half big and it's like a little cylinder tube of like tea tree gel and you just like run it rub it all over your face i actually know the one i know it it's in like a little green (laughs) i know (laughs) it i used to use it (laughs) that is my absolute favorite thing so that's what i use um and actually i started letting my daughter use it too and um because she's a teen and she's got teen skin yeah um it's been working really well for the both of us um in terms of uh makeup I, which is crazy because I work with some of the most amazingly talented makeup artists all the time, as I'm sure you do too, Aitasha and, um, and Trisha uh, and Tiffany. <laughs> and you would think that by now I would have learned a trick or two since I'm in a room with them for like two hours, you know, while doing the hair, but nope. Um, <laughs> so I don't do tons of makeup personally, um, except for lately, cause I've been on camera way more than ever expected. Um, but the one thing I love and always try to do consistently is a wing liner. So I love those, um, I, those markers, the eyeliner mark yeah. markers, um, no specific brand. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I buy them. Uh, probably monthly because they dry out so quickly, probably because I'm buying cheap ones, honestly. <laughs> um, but, but I live for um, a marker, a, a liner marker. And for hair care, you know, I wear my hair, um, I go back and forth because, you know, we're dynamic and we're awesome, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I go curly to straight. Um, but the one product that um, is in my toolkit and that I use on me all the time and on everybody. Um, and I laughed when Trisha said it because I'm like, that's mine too. It's the 25 Miracle Milk, um, the leave-in uh, conditioning spray. It's liquid. Um, it's amazing for refreshing my curls, um, allowing me to um, not have to rewash my hair for multiple 
multiple days. And it's really great when blow drying my hair um, for detangling. So that's my fave. Amazing. It's one of my faves too. All right, look, before we get onto this lightning round, which is just around the corner now, I want to ask you one last question, um, ladies. Since we're talking about beauty, I want to know when is it that you feel the most beautiful? So let's go with Aitasha. Hmm. When I'm um, away from New York on a tropical island in the Caribbean <laughs> and there seems to be um or um there seems to be not a care in the world mm -hmm. um someplace preferably where the reception is bad and I can't um <laughs> oh yeah get to all my emails right away <laughs> um but there's just something um so um freeing mm -hmm. um about about that so yeah I would say Oh, I yeah. just, you set me away into La La Land. Like I, I had an image <laughs> of myself prancing around on a beach. Like God knows when the next time I'll be able to do that is with exactly. all this COVID. Exactly. Thank you for giving me a little hope there, Aitasha. Right, <laughs> yes, yes. And Patricia, tell me a bit about your personal beauty and when you feel the most beautiful. I feel the most beautiful when... Uh, when I go back home and I'm around my loved ones and and when I'm doing my charity, when I'm doing community work, I feel so good. I feel so, um, I feel overwhelmed with joy. And since beauty comes from the inside out, when you're happy inside, it just reflects from, uh, it just reflects outside. Mm. So when I'm doing my charity and empowering young girls in school and, you know, around these young girls and seeing them happy, seeing them, you know, smile, just, just that just brings joy to my heart mm -hmm. and that reflects of beauty to me. You know? I love that. And Tippy. Um, um, I'd say, well, there's multiple times, right? So I'm a lady of a certain age, right? So when I get rest, <laughs> when I get enough rest and, um, uh, and I wake up refreshed, I feel beautiful. Like it just like starts my day. Um, I, for a long time traveled, so I wasn't around my daughter and my husband, um, a great deal. So, uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Trisha said is when you feel happy on the inside, like it truly exudes on the outside. And so I would say, um, you know, just being around my family, spending time with my husband and my daughter, like it just, it feels good. And I know I'm constantly smiling and I feel beautiful. Not to mention they're constantly like, oh, mom, you look so pretty. Oh, babe, you look so good. You know, so it's like that. Too. You know, I feel like when I'm in a workspace, everyone's like, oh, Tip, you look nice. I'm like, yeah, but I'm, um, you know, I, I, I did, I, I, I put energy into it. Yeah. So when I, you know, get those compliments and I put zero energy into it. Like that's when I feel the most beautiful. I gotcha. There's something about in, in everything that you guys have said, there's something about being in an organic environment is really where, you know, beauty thrives. Exactly. Tell us where we can find you. If our listeners want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing and follow you along on your journey, Itasha, where can they find you? Well. Um, my website, which is itationjordan.com. And um, I hope 
to use some of this downtime to start my rebuild of a new site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for social media, you can find me primarily on Instagram at Itasha Photo. Awesome. And Patricia, what about you? Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Akello Patricia. I start with the name Akello. Because, yeah, and also on Facebook or or Twitter, I'm actually, uh, I'm on all social media, so, and I'm using Akello Patricia, I'm using it the other way around. Okay. I actually, while on this call, just started following Trisha, beautiful work. I've been following Atisha forever, so I already know her work, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, you can follow me at Tippy Shorter, um, and I am mainly on Instagram um, and intermittently on Facebook. Um, my website is also Tippy Shorter. Great. So I will add all of you guys' social media handles, handles and websites, etc., to the show notes so that people can find you nice and easy. Okay, very quickly, this is the lightning round, ladies. Okay, this is the moment that you've all been waiting for. We finally got here. All right, Patricia, spicy or mild? Mild. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm always surprised when people say mild. Mild. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not even supposed to be having discussions, but it just shocks me sometimes. All right. Tippy, Jordan or Kobe? Uh, uh, Jordan. Aitasha, Biggie or Puck? Biggie. Okay. Lipstick or hair product? Hair product. Babyface or Teddy Riley? Teddy Riley. Okay, this one is important because it's happening, I believe, tomorrow on Instagram, Itasha. Don't make me, don't make me. You have to do it. (laughs) Erica or Jill? Erica or Jill? Jill (laughs) Did you, you just chose Badoo? Jerrica (laughs) Sadu. Wait, what? I can't choose. You have to. I can find their names. You have to. You've got to pick one. Can't move on. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Erica. Okay. Uh, West Coast or East Coast? East Coast. Okay. Virtual happy hour or in-person happy hour? In-person because I am a social drinker. I don't drink on my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Uh, natural beauty or made up mama? Natural beauty all the way. All right. I'm going to just bring up this Erica and Jill thing. Okay. Cause Aitasha had to struggle through that one. <laughs> Everybody else has to struggle through it too. I mean, I'm going to go for Jill. I'm going to go for Jill. Okay. Okay. But I do think that Erica is going to bring it cause she does. Like it was a very hard decision for me to get to Jill, but I'm putting it out there. Right, Tippy. It is hard, but you know, it is hard. And I love them both equally, but I just feel like Erica had so much more. She just, it, just thinking about the impact in my life at the time, which one of them had the most yes. impact. And so for me, it was Erica. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's a very, that's a very hard, you know, it, it wasn't easy. And I've been talking about this all week. Ever since they announced it, I'm like, I'm going to have to go dress as both. I can't choose just one. It's hard. It's really hard. Jill I just Scott's hope. first album was 
genius. Oh, it was. But I think Erica, as we talk about layered, oh yeah, Erica is very versatile, and um, she has a way of reinventing herself. You know. Yeah. She totally does. Um, like, so. you don't know how she's going to show up. Like, it's always exactly. it's always um, a moment of anticipation for me, you know, before exactly. seeing her. Exactly. Patricia, who are you going for? Where's your vote going? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Uganda, so I don't know more about these people. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> don't try and wiggle yourself out of this one. I'll bust. <laughs> and Patricia passes ladies thank you so much for spending this afternoon with me in the lounge it's been such thank an you. honor and a pleasure thank you guys thank amazing you. okay ladies thank you so much bye bye